Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I want to give a big thanks to all of our moderators. Thank you. You guys are doing a wonderful job. I want to welcome Sniper, Colette, uh, Khaleesi, Marco is joining us. Noelia is with us as well. Love the floating love hearts, guys. It's been a while. It's been a minute since we... Uh, just had a show, you and me. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying our guests. And uh, it's weird. This is the last day of September, and it's only the second solo show that we're doing in a month. And uh, that's a first. That's a first for us. Want to welcome Denora, Colette. I already said hello to Colette. Abba is also joining us as well. Tonight, we are going to be going over the last two episodes of The Walking Dead. Episodes 5 and 6, those of you who have AMC Plus have uh, seen or will be seeing Episode 7. It will be releasing this coming Sunday on AMC. And uh, we'll be getting to the AMC in a little On We'll be getting to The Walking Dead in a little bit. Uh, just want to let you guys know that October 7th through 10th, we are going to be covering New York Comic Con. We're really stoked about that. That should be really interesting. Uh, what I've noticed about New York Comic Con, and uh, of course it's huge, uh, obviously, that and the uh, Comic Con International in San Diego, is that, well, first of all, it sold out in 12 hours from uh, when the tickets, the badges went on sale. We're covering it as press, and even press, if you didn't put in your applications like really, really early, they're turning people, they turn people away. Uh, it's at the Jacob Javits Center in New York City, which is uh, a huge space, but they are really making sure everybody's safe and COVID protocols. And, uh, you know, just to give you an example, if you want to attend, uh, everyone has to show proof of vaccination and they have apps. I believe it's called like Clear Express to where you can scan your vaccination card, your ID, your face, and all you gotta do when you show up there is just show the app, let them scar the, scan the QR code, and uh, it saves yourself a lot of hassle. But anyway, we're, re we're really looking forward to covering Comic-Con and bringing you the highlights. So the panels are uh, being announced every day, and there's some good ones. I'm personally excited about the uh, the ghost hunting panels, you know, uh, there are a lot of great guests that have already been announced, but I'm really looking forward to seeing, I'm a big paranormal freak. You guys know that I love watching my ghost hunting shows on television. And I was really excited to find out that a lot of them are going to be at Comic-Con and hopefully I will have the opportunity to talk to them, uh, individually and maybe invite them to come on the show. Now, I can understand their hesitation on them wanting to come on a horror entertainment talk show uh, just because it might, you know, in their minds, take away credibility in the work they're doing. I have the fullest respect for the work that they do, uh, and I just want to let them know that if they come on Dead Talk Live they are going to receive nothing but the highest of respect. And I'm not going to bring them here 
to question their work or any of that. I totally respect their work. I admire what they do, and I just want to give them a platform. I mean, they already have a platform. Give them another platform to just tell their story as to why they do what they do. So, let's see. I'm, I'll keep my fingers crossed on that. So, uh, welcome to Mohmad, who's just joined us. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Colette says, it's the same here. I can't get tickets for Liverpool. Carl Abraham, Chandler Riggs, and Michael Cudlitz. Loads of great people are going to be there. Aw, that sucks. I don't know if you guys over in the UK have StubHub. I don't know if badges can be sold to these conventions through StubHub. But that might be something checking out. Worth checking out. What they, you know, as with any event, these uh, tickets reselling agencies like StubHub and whatnot go up and buy the badges and of course they sell them on their sites it's all legal in a way uh for really jacked up prices it sucks uh abba says you have wonderful guests here at dead talk live is thank you and it's one of my biggest honors to talk to all of our guests tomorrow we have ashley bell from the last exorcism she was the star. Uh, really looking forward to talking to Ashley tomorrow. I thought The Last Exorcism is an amazing movie. If you guys have not watched it, please watch it. And, you know, to have the star of the movie as our guest tomorrow, to ask her about it and everything behind the scenes, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And like I said, this is only my second solo show in September. We have been jam-packed with guests, uh, and we have, October is full, almost. We only have, like, three available dates in October that are open right now. So check out our site to see everybody who's coming up. More guests are getting announced every day, and we're happy to bring them to you. Uh, Colette writes, the interviews have been great. Thank you, Colette. Uh, Khaleesi writes, uh, oh, she's talking to Mahmoud, ah, sorry, Mohammed. So anyway, let's get on to The Walking Dead, all right? And let's keep it real with what's going on with The Walking Dead. Uh, let me first start off by saying I am just not impressed with season 11 so far. Uh, I think, and I'm going to say this up front as well, I don't, obviously it's not the cast fault. Uh, I don't even think, it's not even the production team's fault. Uh, this goes way up in the chain. Uh, a lot of the production members, the executive producers, even Scott Gimple himself, have said that they were surprised when AMC made the announcement that this uh, season 11 would be the last season of The Walking Dead. And I think it was terribly mismanaged uh, from that point on. Uh, not having a, a clear plan on how you're going to end a franchise that's been running for 11 years is horrible. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's horrible. I love AMC. They own uh, a big chunk of the horror industry right now with they own Shudder, IFC Midnight, Sundance, of course, you know, AMC, uh, the cable channel, AMC Plus. 
they're a huge company and go back 11, 12 years ago, if you were to ask somebody what AMC was, they'd be like, oh yeah, it's that cable channel, right? The Walking Dead put AMC on the map. Let's be realistic, okay? The Walking Dead put AMC on the map. And it has sucked every ounce of success from The Walking Dead to further itself. I mean, why wouldn't it, right? A lot of networks rejected The Walking Dead. HBO, whatnot, AMC took the risk, signed it, and the best decision they ever made. And we've enjoyed countless amazing seasons of The Walking Dead. So now here you get you have AMC dropping the bomb, not only to the viewers, but apparently to the production team as well, that, hey, this is the last season. And in my opinion, it sent everybody scrambling. All the writers, the producers, the directors, everybody. How are we going to wrap this up? And basically what we are getting in so far in season 11 is a replay of stuff that we have seen over and over again throughout its 11-year run. And let's take uh, season 11A, which is getting ready to wrap up. Uh, like I mentioned, those of you who have AMC+, Plus, you have access to Episode 7. I have seen Episode 7, and it's no different than countless other, uh, you know, big episodes before the finale. We're only getting eight episodes, and then we're not getting another Walking Dead episode till early next year. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even a spoiler. It's the Reapers. It's the whole Maggie and Negan thing as they're slowly starting to tolerate and even, dare I say it, trust each other. Uh, I'm not going to give away too many spoilers on episode seven because I know a lot of you have not watched it yet. But, you know, it's no different from any other episodes before a finale. Uh, next week, episode 8, is going to be the finale. Not this Sunday, the following Sunday. Is going to be the finale of season 11A. And you don't even need to see it. You know exactly what's going to happen. The big mystery is who's going to die. You know? Uh, is Leia going to die? I think there's a high probability that Leia's going to die. Uh... You know, Mass Ninja Man, Elijah, I think there's a good probability that he might go as well. Maggie is safe. Negan is safe. Uh, I think uh, Gabriel is pretty safe as well. But other than that, I mean, there's no surprise. They're going to, you know, go face to face with the Reapers. The Reapers are going to go down. You know, Maggie and Negan are going to emerge victorious. The big question mark is who's going to die. And uh, it sucks. It, it sucks that they can't 
come up with something original, something we have not already seen countless times on The Walking Dead. And like I said, I do not blame production. I do not, obviously, the cast has done nothing wrong. The cast is doing an amazing job with the material they're being handed. The directors are doing a great job. The producers are doing a great job. This goes way up into AMC. And believe it or not, the one person who I really feel bad about is Scott Gimple. And Scott Gimple's credibility. Now, please, I got to put a disclaimer here. What I'm saying here is this is my theory. This is not what's happening. This is not news. This is nothing more than my theory. Uh, And my theory is this. The Rick Grimes movies, they're not going to happen. Uh... The excuse that Scott Gimple has been giving, we're still refining the script, we're doing R&D on the script, that is past its expiration date. It really is. Films are being made left and right. They've had three years now to refine the script. And I feel bad for Scott Gimple because he is the chief operating officer of the franchise, but he's basically AMC's mouthpiece for the franchise. So he's going to say what they want him to say. And it sucks because it's his credibility that's on the line. And he's the one who's going to have to break the news if my theory is correct and the movies do not get made, he's the one who's going to have to come out and say, yeah, sorry, because of whatever reason they decide to claim they're not being made, he's the one who's going to have to come out and say it. All right? But I have lost any hope of us seeing the character of Rick Grimes again. Definitely lost all hope of the movies. Uh, if If they do get made, I would... I would be shocked. I would be completely shocked right now if the Walking Dead movies actually get made. Uh, Now, that leads to 11A of The Walking Dead. Nothing creative, nothing spectacular. It's the same old record skipping over and over again. Sad to say, they wasted eight episodes. So that leaves us with uh, what? Another 16 episodes left to go with uh, 11B and 11C. The whole Commonwealth uh, thing that we have seen, which has not been a lot so far in 11, has been very underwhelming. Uh, Just nothing there. And I got to talk about, when it comes to the Commonwealth, uh, AMC revealed... Last season, the story was broke that uh, Margot Bingham is going to play Stephanie. The Stephanie that we have been seeing is not Margot Bingham. Now, Margot Bingham, we actually, you know, you're going to see her in season in episode seven. So those of you who have not seen episode seven, you're going to see. And what they basically did... 
is they took a big spoiler where Eugene met who he thought was Stephanie and still believes is Stephanie. That's not the real Stephanie, okay? The Commonwealth, for their own reasons, have picked this other person to play Stephanie. The real Stephanie, as you will find out in episode 7, is Pamela Milton's secretary. Yes, that's Margot Bingham. And we finally get... I was checking the news to see if Margot Bingham backed out of the role. They did a cast change. The news that was broken last year was incorrect. No, Margot Bingham is there. She's in The Walking Dead. And we get we get to see her in episode seven. But And she is Pamela Milton's secretary. Pamela Milton is the person who runs the Commonwealth. Uh, so that's a big spoiler that AMC could have kept secret, but I don't know if it got leaked or whatever, uh, that Margot Bingham was going to be playing Stephanie, but it ruined the whole plot, uh, the big surprise that they were, I guess, planning to reveal that this girl that Eugene thinks is Stephanie is not Stephanie. And it's also, you know, a Eugene, a character of such intelligence as Eugene would not pick up on the fact that the woman that he has been talking to on the radio for so long, he has picked up no hints or traces that the voices are not the same. Now, they have built up Eugene to be this super genius and a, a, a big fact like, you know, man, you don't sound like the girl I've been talking to on the radio. Uh, you think you would pick up on that. So, again, they, they, they screwed it up. They screwed it up. I don't know if it was a leak. If it was a leak, if it was information they were not planning on sharing that got leaked, they could have altered courses on uh, the way they approached the introduction of the character of Stephanie. But they did not do that. So there's a big spoiler that's ruined right there. I don't know how many of you guys have noticed. But uh, yeah, that, that, is not, that is not Stephanie. And in episode 7, you actually get to see the real Stephanie. So anyway, now that leads us to the spinoffs. You know, the whole uh, yet-to-be-named Daryl and Carol spinoff and Tales of the Walking Dead. Because it looks like season 11 of The Walking Dead is going to go down with just barely a faint whimper. I really don't see the spinoffs being that successful. Uh, I really don't. I, don't. I don't see them lasting very long. And if the Daryl and Carol spinoff fails and Tales of the Walking Dead... The anthology spinoff, where each episode is a story onto itself. If that fails, then that just leaves Fear the Walking Dead. Now, Fear the Walking Dead is at its peak uh, in regards to storyline. Just overall, Fear the Walking Dead is by far 
the best show on the Walking Dead universe. So, if that happens, the movies don't get made, the spinoffs fail, where does that leave Fear the Walking Dead? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't even have a theory. It's going to be up to AMC to decide what they do with Fear. Can Fear survive being the lone Walking Dead show? Now, AMC, from a business perspective, is going to continue holding on to shows that are making money for as long as they can. And for those of you that subscribe to AMC+, I mean, just scroll through the shows. They have, I mean, they are milking The Walking Dead for everything that it's worth. There are individual backstories for every character narrated by the actor who plays that character. It's all The Walking Dead this, The Walking Dead that. And I like I, I they just completely botched up, you know, from the announcement that season 11 was going to be the final season to it catching the production team by surprise. The writers, I'm sure, had to go into a scramble frenzy to try to figure out how to wrap up the main show. So that leaves us to where we are right now. Episodes five and six have aired. Episode 7 of Season 11 is going to air this Sunday. So, uh, 5 and 6. I mean, I 6 was pretty good, but not creative. Uh, I like the fact that we got to see Connie. Uh, you, know, any, you know, a lot of people were hoping for a Connie-Daryl relationship. That looks like it's not even close to happening. Uh, I think Leah is going to die. That's my opinion. I think Leah is going to die when the Reapers get taken down in season 11A finale. I don't think she's going to make it beyond that. I find it very hard to imagine her making it beyond that into 11B. So, with that said, let's go ahead and uh, read what the uh, critics have to say about episodes 5 and 6 of The Walking Dead. So, here we go. Uh, Starting with 5, which is called Out of the Ashes. The situation in Alexandria grows more desperate and The Walking Dead takes some time for an orientation video. One of the appeals of the post-apocalyptic world of The Walking Dead is that there's no real government except that which is chosen by the people locally. There aren't people a thousand miles away telling you how to live your life, what you can and cannot do. That's why you you can have democracies like Alexandria existing right next door to death cults like the Whisperers oligarchies like the saviors right next to survival of the fittest bands like the wolves and why a return to the civilization offered by the commonwealth isn't all it's cracked up to be sure on the surface it's great there's ice cream children playing in the streets and everyone is given a job based on their pre-fall life then you realize it takes five weeks 
for the government to decide whether or not your friends live or die. And then that Rocky Road ice cream isn't quite as sweet. It's the eternal struggle for the survivors on The Walking Dead. Do they go back to the old ways with committees and debates? Or do they embrace the leaner systems of government that have served them well, generally dictatorships? When decisions have to be made in a split second and repercussions for delay outweigh the positives of longer-term planning, everyone in the Commonwealth seems happy at first, blush, but for people who spent a lot of time outside of the walls and learn uh, what they're really capable of, the beaver cleaver Americana promised by slimy smooth pitchman Lance Horsby, played by Josh Hamilton, must seem pretty blind to reality. There's not much time for Eugene and company to get help. One of the things Out of the Ashes establishes throughout the various storylines is that there's no real hope for Alexandria except for the Commonwealth. Maggie and Negan's trip for supplies yields a bag of food that wasn't worth the effort they took to get it. Carol and Aaron's trip back to the hilltop unearthed a few fire-charred blacksmithing tools, but nothing of any real substance aside from the lingering threat of the Whisperers. Eugene and the Commonwealth are the only hope Alexandria has for survival. As tempers are getting short even among the children of the community. And speaking of the children of the community, episode 5, man, Kaylee Fleming, Judith, she was amazing in that, in that episode. I mean, how can you not love uh, Kaylee, who plays Judith, and just the amazing character that Judith has, Judith has become? Now, one of the best things to say for Greg Nicotero as a director is that he always seems to understand the assignment. Perhaps it's the hours he spent with his actors and his makeup chair, getting stuff glued on their faces, but he seems to understand how to get the performances he's looking for out of his actors. And he has the best handle on Kaylee Fleming on the show's directors. She's a solid young actress, but he seems to know best how to guide her through her harrowing emotional scenes. Walking her through the faux coldness of her mother's Michonne's poker face and into the actual emotional turmoil of a little girl who has been abandoned by both parents and every other caregiver short of Rosita. That said, Nicotero's greatest strength lies in his sense of the visual. The Commonwealth looks beautiful, as peaceful and hopeful as any of of Rick's fever dreams for the future of the world, but it's just a little too perfect, trying a little too hard with a few too many armed guards lurking in the corners to make someone completely feel at ease with things. 
The introductory video in which a bunch of too-good-to-be-true footage of children playing and old people living out their lives cut with the swarmy... Um, I hate how this page jumps around. Uh, where was I? Uh, the children, the old people living out their lives. Josh Hamilton knocks it out of the park. Only... Uh, raises more alarm bells that all the ice cream and children playing in the world won't turn off. If anything, it's more concerning that everyone is so happy and comfortable because the last time anything close to this level of peace was shown was Woodbury, and that ended horribly for all of those otherwise innocent people controlled by a very different governor than Pamela Milton. And then they put the word hopefully in parentheses. Throughout the episode, Latoya Morgan's script lays out just why these desperate missions matter without pushing the point too far. Maggie has to wait for her friends because she knows what it's like to be abandoned. Negan wants to leave because he knows what it's like to wait just a little too long and get caught with crucial supplies. Um, that isn't much that doesn't matter, but it certainly has to bring Lucille back into Negan's mind while Maggie delays him. Now, Carol and Aaron's don't Carol and Aaron don't know what else to do, so they go back to the hilltop. And just look for something, anything that might fill a few stomachs or make the hunting and fishing process a little bit easier. They know it won't be enough, but that doesn't matter. And it looks like Oceanside has completely disappeared. You know, I have been talking about this for a very long time. Oceanside is a community that was never really focused on except here and there but in season 11 they have not even been mentioned it's like they don't exist maybe they don't maybe oceanside doesn't exist and everybody has moved to alexandria we haven't seen them there but without any explanation oceanside is gone now eugene knows that they have to get help for Alexandria, even after he finds out via the radio that the war is over and the Whisperers are vanquished. He knows just how hungry everyone is and just how bad the situation was when he left. And he seems willing to even let Stephanie go if he has to in order to save his friends. Even true love with a girl that sings Iron Maiden songs to a middle-aged virgin <laughs> pales in comparison to the mission. Five weeks might be a reasonable time to wait if you're well-fed and safe behind the walls of the Commonwealth, but when you're in Alexandria behind patchwork walls eating horse jerky, and hoping against hope for someone to find something more palatable to eat, five weeks might as well be five years. Colette got a big laugh out of that one as well. <clears throat> Khaleesi writes, I would rather be in our group than the Commonwealth. To be a fighter 
and know what I'm doing, then walls start falling down and know nothing. Exactly. They know how to defend themselves. And uh, in episode 7, you guys actually will get to meet Pamela Milton's son. And the depiction of him uh, being the governor's son, well, it's something to watch. So just keep an eye out for that, for those of you who haven't seen episode 7 yet. So let's jump on over to episode 6. Okay, that was last Sunday's episode uh, called On the Inside. The Walking Dead tips the cap to both Wes Craven and Mike Flanagan in a terrifyingly tense episode that leans heavily on the history of horror. And, you know, if if it was on its own, those humans who crawl around on their hands and feet. Uh, It is totally, you know, taken out of prior horror movies. It's not original by any means. But uh, to think that they would be surviving this long after the apocalypse, the way they have been surviving, by eating any people that come their way, not very, I don't know, even with the suspension of disbelief, it's still a little far-fetched. So anyway, uh, Season 11, Episode 6. Clearly, writer Kevin Didold and various creative crew behind The Walking Dead are Wes Craven fans. The 1991 Wes Craven film, The People Under the Stairs, was one of the better movies Craven did, and it remains a lot of fun while also being shocking and still having some great scares. Now, the episode called On the Inside takes that premise, combines it with Mike Flanagan's hush, and at the the end result is one of the most jaw-clenching, teeth-grinding episodes of straight art out of horror that The Walking Dead has done. K&B doing all the special effects, and K&B... For those of you that don't know, is Greg Nicotero special effects companies uh, company? Sorry, on the movie rubbed off on Greg Nicotero and How- Howard Berger, because not only does the special effects live up to the high standards, the episode itself is a full-on banger of a tribute to the late Wes Craven. There's no shortage of House on Last House on the Left. Gristle on the episode, there's few places The Walking Dead won't go, and there's no cutting away demurely or emphasizing psychological horror in this episode. When it's time for someone to get hurt, we see it, from a knife plunging into the chest or a fingernail getting ripped out of the, with a pair of pliers. It's, and that's nothing compared to the full-throated horror of the episode's climax, which contains some of the most audacious work of K&B's illustrious special effects career. It's as if Greg Nicotero was looking over an old sizzle reel of his best work, saw Captain Rhodes' finale from Day of the Dead, and thought, how can I make that more difficult 
and more awesome. Now, Nicotero has become more than just a solid director of special effects sequences. I feel like I praise him every time he directs an episode. But his missteps are rare and infrequent. If he makes any in this episode, they are not noticed because he follows them up with something stunning or with Lauren Riddleoff, who plays Connie, putting on a bravura performance. Throughout the episode, it's established that Connie is exhausted, on no sleep, and too paranoid to sleep, despite Virgil pushing for her to get some much-needed rest. She refuses the after-effects of being trapped in a cave full of walkers, fully evident on her face every time she has a flashback of being trapped. The flashbacks themselves are mere memory fragments deployed as jump scares, not for the viewer as much as the character. With Connie being featured for much of the episode, Kevin Dybult's dialogue in those scenes is light but effective when deployed. Lauren Riddleoff is a great physical performer whose facial expressions and body language convey as much as the American Sign Language at her fingertips. The sequence in which she runs into the room with Virgil, panicking only to take his knife and scrawl, not alone, into the canvas of a painting is particularly effective, and it's easy to see that the two characters bonded with one another while trapped underground throughout their interactions. Now, wait a minute. Virgil was not trapped with Connie. Did I read that wrong? Uh, let's see. And it's not easy to see that the two characters bonded with one another while trapped underground through their interactions. That's just not accurate. That's just not accurate. Virgil was not trapped with her. It was Magna. Anyway, they're all they have left, and Virgil's concern for Connie seems genuine as the actress portrays the character's lack of sleep through manic expressions and the wide but exhausted eyes of a child desperately trying to avoid bedtime. You see, right there, you know, them getting wrong, the whole story of who was trapped, it takes away the credibility of the article. The, com the communication between the two characters is rough, but effective, and their physical distance from one another throughout most of the episode works great because it puts Connie in danger. Lisa writes, oops, the writer made a mistake. Yeah big one it's all about credibility listen in media credibility is everything and yeah but that little line right there it makes you wonder the person writing this article are i mean do they watch every episode do they know what's going on in the story or were they assigned this article and just you know, fast-forwarded through the last couple of episodes. 
that matters. Uh, let's see, Efren writes, half the time these recappers never even watch what they're recapping. Exactly. Exactly. Andrew Valentine is with us at Cred is Gone. It hurts the credibility. Listen, journalism, you know, it's all about credibility. And of course, the internet has made a, a full part, you know, journalist out of everybody through blogs and whatnot. But this is this is Den of Geek, you know? This is not some low-ranking website. And if you're going to assign somebody an article to recap a Walking Dead episode, you must some you must have someone on staff who follows the Walking Dead and knows exactly what's going on with the story. Because if a mistake like that gets missed and it gets missed through an editor, then you've got credibility problems anyway one of my favorite tricks Nicotero pulls in this episode is to isolate connie when isolated the viewing audience loses the familiar comfort provided by folly connie scenes are given only the sparsest of soundtrack i did like that part when they sort of put us in her position by taking away all sound with the viewing audience getting plunged into the thrumming heartbeat silence caused by a complete lack of background noise. The only sound is an accurate recreation of the sound of silence reverberating in someone's, uh, in someone's head when their ears are plugged shut and the warm womb-like hum only serves to make Connie's sequences of exploring the house certain they're being watched all the more tense. When Connie is with Virgil or being openly chased by one of the feral man-monsters hiding within the walls of the house, the return of sound only makes the tense. Uh, Bernard Herman strings that hit the soundtrack during the pursuit all the more unsettling. The scene in which the bloody disgusting knife plunges through the wall inches from Connie's face is applause worthy in the way that it's shot and staged. Familiar horror references are always appreciated, particularly when they are knocked out of the park like this. So, I mean... Out of the first seven episodes, which is 99% of a season 11A, we're only going to get eight. I think part six was one of my top ones. I like, like they're talking about the throwback to, uh, you know, old horror in particular with Wes Craven. And at the end, when, you know, Virgil is stabbed but not killed. And they make it out of the house. And, of course, Kelly, Magna, Carol, and them show up to save them. Just as they escape the house, the reunion between Kelly and Connie was nice. Uh, how the hell Kelly found them is beyond me, but she did find them. Uh, but it was a great reunion. Uh, you know, Angel Theory, who plays Kelly also does an amazing job. Like I said, the cast is phenomenal. 
The cast of The Walking Dead has always been phenomenal. I mean, they nail it each and every time. They're amazing. Uh, you cannot ask for a better cast and better performances. Uh, Greg Nicotero is amazing. The whole production team of The Walking Dead is amazing. I think the problems that we're seeing in season 11 goes up, 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 up in the chain. Too many hands in the cookie jar, people making decisions, and it's trickling its way down. And the production team is working the best they can with what they have. So, anyway, uh, I wish I can tell you that episode 7 that is premiering this Sunday is going to be full of surprises and stuff that you've never seen before, but I can't. We've all seen it play over dozens of times, and I have no doubt in episode 8, it's that's also going to end the way we've seen other rivalries end on The Walking Dead the same way. You know, our, our survivors are going to end up being victorious. Pope and company are going to be taken down. Uh question is who we're going to lose now since season seven uh big shocking deaths on the walking dead with the exception of season nine when alpha killed a whole bunch of characters and put their heads on spikes uh with that being the only exception big shocking character deaths on the walking dead have decreased exponentially so we may not get any deaths. Uh, Leah might very well survive. Uh, you know, uh, Elijah might survive. But who knows? And Khaleesi says Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was a shock in, uh, what was it, season nine? No, see, season nine, uh, when Jesus got killed, when we first got introduced to the Whisperers. So... Anyway, Abba writes, love this show, complete honesty, no punches pulled, truth, creative criticism is to make artists and writers writers better. Thank you, Abba. That really means a lot. And, uh, you know, let's see how it plays out. Uh, Like I said, we are attending Comic-Con October 7th through 10th. We're going to be posting pictures and updates, so definitely keep track of our social media. It's going to be crazy up in New York. I have not been back home uh, to New York City since 2019. Um, In 23 years of living in the Washington, D.C. suburbs, this is the longest stretch of time that I have gone not going back home to New York City. So just to be able to go back home and to see my house, and be back in the city, I'm so looking forward to that. I miss New York, and it's been over two years, so I'm just, I'm, I miss New York, and I'm very happy to be going back. Anyway, guys, make sure to tune in tomorrow. Ashley Bell from The Last Exorcism is going to be our special guest. That's going to be a really interesting conversation. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight and uh be with you again tomorrow so until then stay safe and always stay walking good night everybody